Well, this morning uh, we have uh, one Bible reading, uh, the Bible reading we're going uh, to uh, consider uh, together. It's from uh, the New Testament book of Acts, Acts uh, chapter 20. Uh, we've been making our way as a church through this book of Acts for the last year or so, and we've reached uh, chapter 20. Uh, recently, we've been following Paul on his missionary journey, uh, declaring the salvation that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Acts chapter 20 is, a, is as it were, the end of a, a, a chapter in uh, this story. As Paul says farewell uh, to uh, the elders at uh, the church in Ephesus. Uh, so uh, we're on page uh, 929, I think, in the Black uh, Church Bibles. Acts chapter 20, and we'll begin reading at verse uh, 17. So reads God's word to us this morning. Now, uh, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not count, account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men, speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I, I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to the God, to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, 
how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all, because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. So reads that part of God's word. Do keep your Bible open. We're going to be looking at uh, uh, those words. We began looking uh, last week uh, at that passage. And uh, we uh, considered uh, the first half of uh, what Paul says there. We're going to be picking things up uh, this morning, particularly in verse uh, 26 onwards. But as we do that, let's uh, just pray. Let's uh, pray to God, uh, shall we? Our gracious Lord God and loving Father, your word is true, living and powerful, able to save to the uttermost. Therefore, we pray that this morning we would find your word to be a true guide as you, the great shepherd of the sheep, seek to care for your flock. Oh Lord, we pray, give us ears to hear. May we hear the voice of our Saviour Christ and follow where he leads. And may we be assured this morning that our God and Saviour has put all things in place necessary for us to be kept as part of his flock. Hear our prayers in Jesus' name we'd ask it. Amen. Uh, let me ask you a, a question to begin with. This morning, are you safe as you sit here in church? Are you safe as you sit here? Do you feel secure? Or as you sit here this morning, do you feel threatened? In a room with other believers, uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, how do you feel about it? Safe or threatened? Let me say, I'm not talking about the virus uh, this morning. But I want to say church should be the safest place on earth. The sheepfold of the good shepherd himself. And yet, I need to level with you this morning. Churches can be the deadliest of places, can't they? And the greatest threat to the, the safety of the sheep in the fold of the good shepherd is what? Is who? Is the minister, the shepherd, the elder that the Lord Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, has placed over his sheep. The elder, the minister, pastor, can be the greatest danger to the sheep in Christ's fold. This morning we are with the Apostle Paul again as he says farewell to these Ephesian elders for the last time. And their time together, we saw last week, it ends in tears uh, and sadness at losing this man, Paul, and his ministry. But in the only uh, speech that is recorded in the book of Acts that's, that's given to, to Christian believers rather than to outsiders, uh, a sermon uh, proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ to unbelievers, Paul says to these Ephesian elders, I need to level with you, brothers. Many of the sheep in your care, they won't be spared. 
What's more startling, some of you here will be the ones who do the damage. As Paul says farewell, there's a, there's a terrible shock in his words to these men. But I want us to see that shock this morning. I want us to feel it in the light of the great privilege of the office, the role that they bear. Two simple points this morning. Here's the first one. I want us to see the terrible shock of what Paul knows. The terrible shock of what Paul knows. Look at verse 29 there. Paul says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. We should be able to feel the, 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 the shocking jolt of Paul's words there. Fierce, vicious wolves bearing their sharp teeth, sheep not being spared, ripped apart. And more shocking still, verse 30, from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Some of these uh, wolves are already present uh, uh, among the church in Ephesus. They're, they're dressed up as sheep. They're seemingly harmless, seemingly in harmony with the rest of the flock. What a stunning, what a shocking thing to say to these, uh, these men in, in bidding them farewell. What a disturbing thing to say to them. Maybe as disturbing as, as Jesus' own words, as he says farewell to his disciples at the Last Supper. Remember Jesus' shocking words at the Last Supper? Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they look around and they ask, who, Lord, is it? Is it I? So here, Paul says, and from among yourselves, men will arise they're among you now, and it won't be an immediate thing, but it will happen. Inextricably, they'll raise up and they'll gain responsibility. They'll speak twisted things. They'll teach twisted doctrine. And in doing so, they will draw some away. It's true, isn't it, that it's when you trust someone that you are most vulnerable to being led astray. When you trust someone most that's when you're most vulnerable trust someone and you're far less likely to to notice the fact that they're they're twisting the truth at first that word uh, twisted uh, there in uh, in verse 30 it's the word for perverse uh, they're going to uh, speak perverse things and our immediate response to that i'm guessing is yeah but but surely you're not talking about us at christ church not us. Well, you don't think we could follow perverse and twisted things, David, can you? An obvious, clear danger, isn't it? To be led astray by those that we trust. I want us to feel the shock of Paul's words here. When the sheep know someone, they, they, they trust them, they follow them. Even they follow them off the edge of a cliff or into the mouth of a wolf. Friend, this morning... Do grasp, church is a place God has given for great blessing, but that also means it can be the most dangerous of places. And some of us this morning, some of us will know that. Painful experiences, tears, sadness. 
maybe others of us this morning, we've come along, we just rock up on a Sunday morning, and we're oblivious that anything could go wrong. It's a church, what harm could be done? I'm not trying to scare any of us this morning, but we, we need to be real, we need to be honest. Churches go wrong, ministers go wrong. They fall out of love with the Lord Jesus Christ. They love the world more than Christ. And when that happens, the damage is catastrophic. Not sparing the flock. I don't know if any of you have ever lived in or visited the countryside. Maybe you've seen the devastation left by a fox that's attacked a hen or a chicken. Blood and feathers and bones scattered everywhere. That's the kind of thing you see if the hen has kind of escaped uh, from the hen house. Oh, but the idea is, isn't it, that inside the hen house, well, that's a a place that's meant to be for protection and and safety and security, to nurture life. For a fox to be inside the hen house, that's truly awful, isn't it? Likewise, a, a sheep is meant to be in safety When it's in the sheepfold, in the pen. Protection for the sheep. Uh, Protectors guarding the sheep from harm. Locked in, secure. Oh, a a wolf in the sheep pen. Nowhere then for the sheep to run. The damage can be devastating. Every one of us this morning, we need to grasp uh, the possibility of this danger. It it remains in, in, in every church, in every age, until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. It's not a hypothetical. Recognize just how serious this is. The danger, the greatest danger, it's not out there in the world, is it? The greatest danger to the sheep of the Lord Jesus, says Paul, is it's here, in here, in the fold. Now again, be clear, church is essential, isn't it, for all Christians. Church is not an option. Being in the fold is not an option uh, for the sheep. We need to be in the fold that Christ has provided for, for us. Followers of the Lord Jesus, we need to be where Christ has promised to, to care for and bless us and provide for and protect us. We need to be in that city set on a hill. We need to be in the midst of the light in a dark world. A lighthouse among a stormy sea. But this morning, Paul says to us, beware. In the very place that God provides for you to be secure, there is potential danger. Those who may lead Christ's people astray. The shock of what Paul knows here. Wolves attacking, twisted words, drawing people away. And yet I want us to see that Paul is by no means defeated by that reality here, is he? Paul's not deflated. Paul's not thinking, oh, I've been ministering amongst these guys. What is the point? These wolves are going to come in. The men are going to rise up and twist doctrine. Oh, Paul's not deflated. God's given his sheep shepherds, and unlike the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus himself, they are called to do something and to do something that will cost them greatly. A tremendous cost to what they're called to, but also a tremendous privilege to bearing that cost. Here's the second main point then. The privileged cost of what shepherds do. The privileged cost of what shepherds do. Look at verse 28. What does Paul say there? Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Uh, 
to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Look again at the verse. Notice how Paul begins. Pay careful attention to the flock of the Lord Jesus. Is that what he says? Not how he starts, is it? Pay careful attention. First and foremost, he says, to yourselves and to all the flock. Self-care before sheep care. That is the shepherd's first task. And it's often a neglected one. It's so easy to neglect. Is my own vision of the Lord Jesus getting deeper, growing stronger? Or am I becoming more detached from the Lord Jesus month by month and year by year? We've said this in, uh, as we've thought about uh, Christian family and parenting. No hope is there for a Christian mom or dad training up their child in the way of the Lord if they don't themselves first learn to daily rejoice in the goodness of the Lord and the wonder of his salvation. And so too the shepherd. Is all I see just sheep with their problems and struggles before me? Do I want to spend more time with the sheep than I do with the shepherd? Remember how Paul started his speech back in verse 18. You yourselves know, he says, how I lived among you the whole time from the first day as I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility. Not to start serving the Lord and end up serving sheep. It is so important for the shepherd to pay careful attention to himself first. So important for the shepherd to seek to shepherd his own heart first. Why is it that I'm losing my temper so frequently? Why is it that things feel like a chore in the Christian life rather than a joy? In the clear light of scripture, why is it that my parenting, my marriage, isn't what it should be? Where am I trying to seek to cut corners rather than paying careful attention and being diligent? And that is costly for a shepherd to do, isn't it? Paying that kind of diligent attention. Just think, all of us will know, won't we, what it's like uh, to uh, run the car. And we run the car for week after week, month after month, uh, month after month after month, until the car won't start. And then we try to fix it. Easy, isn't it, on your mobile phone or on your computer to just take one photo after another and another and a video. And the memory all fills up until it'll take no more. Same with our computer, the hard drive gets full. Maybe it crashes, and we have to do something about it. And that can happen with the elder, can't they? Uh, the minister in a church. The breakdown, the crash, the outright scandal, the unexpected implosion of a church ministry. It, it hasn't happened overnight. It grows slowly over months, over years. Some of you will remember when Christchurch started uh, four years ago. And I was the only elder at that time. Maybe some of you weren't aware of just how dangerous a position that was. How precarious that was. Good, healthy. It's a good thing, a healthy thing, isn't it? For us to have other elders in, in the church. Simon and Chris, elders on loan from all nations. Such a blessing to have a men who will say to me, David, stop doing that. Don't do that. Hold back from doing that. Be patient. Likewise, it's a blessing in a Presbyterian church to have the, the oversight of, of, of presbytery over the eldership of a church. Pay attention to yourself, and then and only then, to the flock. 
And just notice again, look at verse 28 again. Notice how, it's the, how Paul goes on. It's not just to the flock, is it? It is to all of the flock. If they're sheep of the Lord Jesus, then they're to be included. Rich or poor, old or young, irritable, sharp-tempered, joyful, uh, happy, all of them. That is why uh, formal church membership is, is just such an important thing for a church. It's, it's why this morning we're receiving uh, people into membership. Who are the flock that the pastor is and, and the elders are to care for? Who are the flock, members of the flock, that the pastor and the elders are to, are to go after, to know intimately? And that is, and that should be, a costly thing. Just think, the elder, they have themselves to pay attention uh, to. They have their wife, uh, maybe, their, uh, their, their children to pay attention to. Uh, for some elders, uh, they have their full-time secular job to pay attention to as well. Uh, and Paul says, also, to pay attention to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Can you, can you see something of the cost? Can you see something of the cost of what it would cost one of the, the men here at Christ Church to become an elder? Why would any man want to do that, take on that cost? Look at the words of Paul in verse 24. He says, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Uh, not my ministry. Uh, not uh, the ministry uh, that's that all about me, says Paul. No, no, it's a ministry I received, says Paul, from God himself. To testify to the, the grace of God uh, because he has given me this ministry. Uh, true shepherds, Paul emphasizes here, are to be like all of the sheep. They are to be givers rather than receivers. It's more blessed, uh, says Paul, quoting the Lord Jesus, to give than to receive. True shepherds know the cost of giving, 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 and not taking, taking, taking. Uh, know uh, what it is and how hard it is to strive and negotiate doing that joyfully. Shepherds are, are to be willing to give uh, the gospel, a, a bit like the, the, the NHS with uh, medical uh, provision. Uh, ministers are to be uh, seeking to give the gospel free at the point of delivery. But of course, we, we know that the ministry, like all things, has a cost to it. A, a true minister of the gospel, if needed, says Paul here, as he did, they're willing to bear the cost themselves in order that the sheep might be fed. That's the cost they're willing to take on. That was what Paul did here. In fact, it's more than that, isn't it? Listen to what uh, Calvin says on this passage. It's the duty of all pastors, of shepherds, to defend the doctrine that they proclaim, even at the expense of their own life, and to defend their doctrine with their own blood. It must be held that a pastor prefer his own flock or even a single sheep to his own life. I didn't know that's what I signed up for. It must be held that a pastor prefer his own flock or even a single sheep to his own life. 
That's the cost. Just think, sheep, they, they, they move, don't they, from one church to another, maybe because they find the shepherd stubborn or annoying or difficult or demanding or, or because the church doesn't do this or, or it doesn't do that. Sheep just move on. But how many sheep are there in a church? 20, 40, 80, 100, 200? That is a lot of sheep, isn't it, for a shepherd to find annoying and stubborn and demanding. That's why so many shepherds just move on and leave. It must be held that a pastor preferred his own flock or even a single sheep to his own life. That's been a word for me to consider this week. If a, pactor, if a pastor acts like he's, he's just an employee, if he's just concerned about the details of, on, on the contract, I, I've done my hours for this week. That's no true shepherd, is it? Churches, they should be the safest place on earth, where you should be known by name, where you should be fed by uh, Christ on his word week by week, year after year, protected to the death. That does seem to be something that maybe uh, gospel ministers from uh, bygone generations grasped far more clearly than we do today, I think. Ministers, they were once called doctors of the soul because of their need to examine the souls of their flock. Here, a guy called uh, John uh, Flavel uh, from the, uh, the 17th century. He says this, a minister will study his people more than the very best books in his library and choose not what is easiest for him, but what is most necessary for them. I don't know about you. I'd quite like John Flavel to be my minister. Why are those sheep, why are they tempted to stray over there? What are they struggling with over there? What, what gospel balm and, uh, and gospel delight do they need to, to take comfort in? Those are the kind of questions that shepherds are to ask. Men who, who rightly pursue you. Men who, who want to go after you uh, because they see that you're a sheep of the Lord Jesus. Who love you, who keep pointing you to Christ. Why would anyone do it? Why would anybody try to take on this cost? Well, the answer Paul gives here is because of this. It is because of who we all belong to. It's there in verse 28, isn't it? Pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Not to care for your church, the church uh, that you began, but to care for the church of God. The Holy Spirit, he made you overseers, he put you in charge, elders, but God obtained this flock, this church, with his own blood. He paid for us himself. You know, when you pay for something yourself, it is precious to you, isn't it? Let me give you an example. When, when I was a kid, growing up, my dad, I can remember, was forever shouting as uh, me and my sister, we left one room uh, and went into another, we left the door open, we left the lights on, switch the door, uh, switch the light off, close the door, keep the heat in. As a child, I just wasn't bothered in the slightest about those things. I wasn't paying the bills. Forty years later, I'm paying the bills. I've turned into my dad. You look after the things, the things that are precious to you, those things that you've paid for. Just think, 
most of us, if we've ever, if we can think about when we first owned a car, how much more did we look after the car, maybe cleaning it uh, more than uh, once a year, than the, the, the higher car that we just have it for the weekend? Or maybe the first home that we bought, we looked after far more than the flat that we may have rented. When you pay for something, when you invest in something with your own time, your money, yourself, it makes it precious to you. Now, just imagine on your way home from church this morning, maybe you broke down on the A12, and it just so happened that the place in which you broke down, the Queen was driving alongside you where you were parked. It's hard to imagine it. Unlikely to happen, but just imagine it. And the Queen, as she drove past, she stops and she offers you the use of her Range Rover for the week, just until you get your car back. How carefully would you be driving that car in the week? Would you let your children there with the fizzy bottle of pop in the back and uh, munching on the monster munch in the back seats? Of course not. Why? Because of whose car it was. You drive it carefully. You take care of it. When God pays for something himself, he pays for it, not with money, not with silver or gold, gold but with something far more of far more worth, with the death of his own son. That's what we're going to remember in a, in a moment, isn't it? With his own blood. And God then entrusts what he's purchased with his own blood to the hands of shepherds. That is staggering, isn't it? Let's say, let me say, if you've got any role of leadership here in church, if you're a trustee, a Sunday school teacher, God says to you, to you look, these are my sheep. I've purchased them with my own blood. You be careful with them. You ensure that you look after them as I want. Sadly, I think that the tragedy of many shepherds is that because the, the church hasn't cost them anything, it's not that precious to them. Oh, they're not my children, they're not my sheep. Why should I look after them? Why should I go to the extra effort? Paul says, because of what they cost the Lord Jesus. Churches of gospel care, they have shepherds who care for the sheep. Not because of the ability of the sheep, not because of the attractiveness of the sheep, not because the, 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 the sheep in the fold are so numerous, simply because of who the sheep belong to. We heard those words uh, last week from uh, Richard Baxter, uh, uh, imagining the Lord Jesus speaking to the shepherds of, of his sheep. Baxter imagines Jesus saying to these ministers, were they worth my blood and are they not worth your labor? Have I done, have I suffered so much for their salvation and was I willing to make you a co-laborer with me? And will you be unwilling and refuse to do the little that lies in your hands. Sheep purchased by the blood of the King of Kings. His deepest interest, his most tender affection for them. Oh, a flock of the Lord Jesus. This morning we can be assured, if, if in the past you've been spit out of church, if you're still bearing those, those wounds of the, t of the wolf uh, teeth marks, uh, about you or, or maybe if the world has has pushed you to one side uh, and has spit you out sheep of the lord jesus know this morning that you are more precious to god 
than any words I could ever speak. So precious that he gave his own son for you. Gave his son who shed his blood for you. In the church, in this church, there should only ever be life and nurture and and security for the sheep of the Lord Jesus. And it is the elder's job to ensure that that is the case. That's the, the, the role that God has given him. But it's not our role exclusively, is it? It's not just something that the elders are involved in and that nobody else is concerned with. It's to be a role for everyone. Just look at verse 30. Who is it that the wolf in sheep's clothing draws away? We're told it's disciples after them. Disciples. Who are the the disciples in this church? All of the people who are following the Lord Jesus. I I wonder this morning as we close, are, are you the kind of sheep who would be easily led astray? Are you the kind of sheep who would be led down a blind alley? Here's a question I've got for you this morning. How would you know if you're being led astray? How good is your discernment? Sheep who think that every shepherd is a true shepherd. A a, a shepherd to follow. Friend, let me say, sheep who think every shepherd is a shepherd, they're the sheep who are ready to be led astray. They're sitting ducks. They're a prime target. Do you trust every minister? Don't do that. Don't think that because somebody's got Rev in the front of their name or because they've uh, been in a church for a long time or because uh, what they say sounds nice or maybe they even use gospel words, uh, it's all necessarily well. Don't assume that. False shepherds draw away. False shepherds say, say, follow me. True shepherds say, you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You look to Christ. Who are you following this morning? Who am I following? When true shepherds leave a church, as Paul leaves these elders here, they know that for all of the dangers, for all of the cunningness and the, and the twisted words of vicious wolves, uh, for all of the likelihood that wolves will come in, true shepherds know that the sheep are safe, that the sheep will be fine without them. Look at verse 32. How, how does Paul leave these men? Now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. You'll be fine without Paul. God is with you. His word to build you up and to see you through. When uh, John Calvin died, he insisted that he be buried in an unmarked grave. Uh, No writing, no uh, identification on his grave. So that people wouldn't come and and, and flock to it and venerate him. And it grieved those uh, who uh, lost Calvin to to feel that they'd lost somebody who was so great and who they'd never be able to replace. And yet Calvin's message from the grave was, you're not following me. You were never following me. It's not me you need. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus in his fold, under his care, with his words, and you'll be safe. He alone gave his life for the sheep, purchased with his precious blood.